many of you put on the television on Tuesday night around 7 o'clock Eastern time waiting for the results of the Georgia Senate runoff? And, and how many of you were surprised by the outcome? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Truth to Ponder, and I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Well, the the election in Georgia, to me, was absolutely no surprise. And I explained to you on Monday what I believed would happen, that already had happened by the time the polls opened on Tuesday. Early voting, Democrats have become the master. They know how to harvest ballots. Republicans still believe it's 1952, and we like Ike. And everybody's going to go to the polls and make it a big deal on Election Day. Well, if you get thwarted at the polls, if the weather turns bad, or you decide I've got something else to do or something comes up, and a handful of Republicans don't show up, that's how you lose by a small margin. Because you didn't do the early voting like the Democrats have done. Then you also have to recognize that Georgia is going through a change right now, whether you want to believe it or not. There are many rural areas, smaller counties that are conservative. Sure, I've lived in them. I know them well. But Atlanta has grown immensely. Savannah has become a, shall we say, destination point for many people on the left. And so the state of Georgia has a few big blue pockets that have changed the character. Atlanta's always been a bit of a, well, I'll I'll put it politely, a city that had an evil side. It always has. And I can remember that even 45 years ago when I worked there. You could tell it under the surface. You had open prostitution, a lot of drug use going on right before your very eyes in Atlanta. You had a lot of adult men's clubs. In other words, these are pretty nasty places. And so this has been the bedrock of Atlanta for way too long. And now you bring in all the money and the growth and the airport and all that goes with it. And and you can see where the state of Georgia is now under the control of the city of Atlanta and a few other places. And so none of this surprised me. Will it ever change when Jesus comes? Now, there's something else about today that we need to talk about for a few minutes on the program. And it's one of those things that are getting forgotten over time. A lot of young people today have no clue about history. They have no clue about current events. They they do their thing with Facebook and TikTok and and Instagram. And, And the world, they're just oblivious to the world. And they only know what social media tells them they need to know. But this day is a very historical day. December 7th, 1941 a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. The United States was at peace with that nation and at the solicitation of Japan was still in conversation with its government and its emperor, looking toward the maintenance of peace in the Pacific. It's hard to believe that 81 years have come and gone since that day at Pearl Harbor. 
And right after that speech, young men all over the United States found their way to enlist in the military. My father was one of them as soon as he turned 17 in the early part of 1942. The greatest generation that had lived through a depression, raised in a depression, now being called on to fight a war on two theaters. And the worst part is, as I look back over time, and and history begins to reveal its ugly side, how many of those in Washington knew that war was coming? How many wanted us to be in the war in Europe, even though in 1940, Roosevelt ran on a platform saying, we will not get involved in a European war? He lied. And he knew he was going to lie because I think they knew they would find a way to get in. Because by getting in, America becomes a power. And those that are on, shall we say, the left, those that were progressives, get to work on reshaping the globe. And they did. And so here we are 81 years later in a very strange paradigm. And whether you want to believe it or not, we're still living in the legacy of the Second World War 80 some odd years later. 80 some odd years later, what the progressives wanted 100 years ago in World War I, they finally gained in World War II. And even as Eisenhower said, beware of the military industrial complex. We'll talk about that soon. Today, our guest host, Jim Calhoun, comes to the microphone. And I want to thank him as he thanks me for the opportunity to give him the time. I'm so glad that Jim is able to do this, and and I've got something special I'm going to share in just a few minutes about something Jim and I are thinking about. But for now, here's our guest host for today, Jim Calhoun. Thanks, Bob. It's truly great to be back on Truth to Ponder. And I want to thank everybody for the comments that I got for the last show. I had some listeners that really liked last week's show, and I had fun putting it together, and I'm really glad that it hit a nerve out there. And yes, I do think that all of us broadcasters and any journalists at all, and I don't consider myself a journalist, but anybody that has the ear of the public and they're on the right side of history and they are on the right side of the facts and they are on the right side as far as knowing who to serve, and that is to serve Almighty God and not Satan, that we all really need to stick together. And that's something that I think should happen all the time is we don't have to walk in lockstep, but we do have brothers and sisters out there that are trying their hardest to save our republic and also to save humanity. And so there might be small little petty differences between the people, but everyone that's on the same side, we really need to act like we're on the same side because if we do have some unity, we're going to be a lot more effective. Well, I'm going to be talking about several things in this show, but I'm going to start out with a true story, and I'm going to be telling on myself. I think that part of the story is tragic, part of it's comical, and I hope that you enjoy my exploits of this last week. Most of you know I have a ranch. It's not a very big ranch, but I do raise registered Scottish Highland cattle. What is a Scottish Highland cow? Well, they have long hair and long horns. They look like prehistoric beasts, but they're really docile and gentle. And I will add here that if you are someone that has a small parcel of land, 
and you want to have a cow for your own beef or you want to be able to possibly sell a calf or two, I highly suggest that you need to look into raising Scottish Highlands. That's my stock tip for today. And of course, I'm talking livestock. And the market is way up for Scottish Highland cattle. And I'm very impressed with the sale that I went to. And I sold three head. And I didn't want to sell any, but you know, when bills come due, you have to do what you have to do. And I was very satisfied with the price that I got for these cattle. But I had to take the cattle to a special sale, to a special sale barn, which happens to be 700 miles away from my house. And I decided I was going to take my Studebaker and pull a trailer with it. And my Studebaker would have done it, except about a day before I was supposed to leave, the brakes went out. So I didn't have a chance to repair the brakes. And I had a very good friend. He called me and said, I have a pickup got a brand new transmission in it. It's ready to go. I want you to take it. And so I thought that was a God moment that this gentleman, who's a great friend of mine, offered me his pickup. Well, I'm loading up everything, getting ready to go. Then I get a text from the person that was going to watch my dogs. And I do have dogs that work cows. And so I have working dogs. So I have a small dog pack of five dogs. Four of them are working dogs, and one of them is kind of there to eat the rest of the food. But anyway, she's precious in her own right. And also, I raise chickens. And so I have 18 chickens and five dogs. And I had someone that was going to care for them as I went on the 700-mile trip. Well, the text said, I can't watch your animals going to the hospital for emergency surgery. And so I quickly said a prayer for this person, and everything went well with the surgery. But I was basically heading out the door when I got that text. I was going to take the chickens and deliver them, and I was going to deliver the dogs. And now I had no place to go with the animals, and it was time to go. And so I loaded up five dogs in the pickup, and I loaded up the 18 chickens and packed them as best I could, and off we went on a 700-mile trip with four cows 18 chickens and five dogs, and me. And yes, I am certifiably nuts at times, but I had to do what I had to do. Now, here's where it gets interesting. I get 300 miles away from the house, and everything's going great until until the pickup, which was loaned to me, shuddered a couple times, and then went karunk, and the transmission just flew apart automatic transmission and apparently what happened was when he put the new transmission in they did not replace the old coolant lines that go up to the coolant up by your radiator there's a where you have your coolant radiator for your transmission those lines were rotten apparently and one of them burst on me and that happened at about two o'clock in the morning and i'm on the interstate with lots of traffic and I was able to roll it into a truck stop. It just happened at the right place that I could actually get off the road. But I spent 12 hours, and so I called the gentleman, and I told him, well, I'm stranded out here with your pickup, and I told him what happened. And he's in his 70s. And so I didn't know what I was going to do, but I never lost faith. I knew that somehow God was going to get me to that sale. Well, this gentleman said, well, I have another pickup, and I'll bring it to you. 
He said, I'll put it on a trailer and haul it with my other pickup and then unload this pickup and then we'll load the bad pickup onto the trailer. I'll head it home. Then he said, it's going to be a while. And I said, well, you know, I've got a little time. If, you know, we can get it going, I'd appreciate it. Well, I did not know that the vehicle that he had, the tires were bad. It did not have a trailer hitch, nor did it have trailer wiring. And so my friend, who's in his 70s, stayed up all night. He has a little workshop, and he changed four tires. He put on a trailer hitch, and he rewired the truck for trailer lights. And he drove it 300 miles to rescue me all in 12 hours, which I was very impressed with. And when I found out what he had to do, what work he had done to this pickup, I was just amazed. He's also a very good Christian man, and he has faith as well. So anyway, I get the pickup, we swap everything over, we get the other one loaded, and off I go. I check the time on my phone, and I was not going to make it to the sale in time to unload during the specified hours that I had to be there. So I gave him a call, told him the story, told him I was coming, and they stayed open for an extra two hours waiting for me to go in. It was pretty uneventful the other 400 miles. And so I get there in time to unload, and it was 23 hours by the time I left the house to when I pulled into the sale barn. And the chickens had not been fed or watered because I had them packed away, couldn't get to them. I wasn't planning on being broke down, and I couldn't get to the chickens very well to feed them or water them. And of course, I could not feed or water the cows. And I didn't really stop for myself either. I just kept going. Well, I get the cows unloaded and get them all cared for, and I care for the chickens. And by the time I did that, it was only four hours before they wanted me back to get the cows ready for sale. So I decided, well, there's no use driving off the sale barn parking lot with the trailer because there's no way I'm going to be able to find a room with this pulling the stock trailer behind me. Plus, I have 18 chickens and five dogs, and I doubt if anyone's going to rent me a room. So I went ahead and laid down in the pickup with the five dogs, and they kind of kept me warm. I know, it sounds crazy. Well, then all of a sudden the chickens decided, the roosters anyway, decided that there was enough light coming from the lights in the parking lot that it must be dawn. And so for three hours, I heard the darndest crowing contest you've ever heard. Well, of course, I didn't get any sleep. But everything went well at the sale, and I got everything ready to go. Got a good price on the animals. And I was very satisfied, even though I was very sad to sell these heifers. I did not want to sell them, but sometimes you have to raise money. And so I had to offer a couple up for sale that I really didn't want to. So I go ahead and get my check, and we head it home. I'm just going to deadhead in and go home. It's normally about a 14-hour trip. I thought, well, I just did it in 23 hours. What's another 14? Well, I went ahead and headed it down the road. Really didn't have any problems. But every town that I went through, the streetlights of the town would wake the roosters up. And so I went through dozens of little towns with these two roosters, just a cockadoodle doing away all the way through town, just nonstop. Then I'd get outside the town, it would get dark, they'd go back to sleep. I'd hit the next town, and I'd go through the town with a lot of fanfare with those roosters. And so I think Jed Clampett and Granny and the bunch would be really proud of me 
because I think I even outdid the Beverly Hillbillies on this one, going through these little towns with, with crow and roosters. But God is good. I never lost my faith. I got the price that I needed to get. The chickens survived the trip in good shape. Matter of fact, they laid eggs going, and they laid eggs both ways. And now they're home and happy, and the dogs are home and happy, and I made it home safe. I went to pay the man for the use of his truck and also to work out what I could do to get him another transmission. And anyone that knows Dodge three-quarter ton pickups that are four-wheel drive, that transmission is not cheap. And I don't have the money. I don't have even money probably to buy the nuts and bolts it would take to hold that transmission together, actually. But I'm not going to let a friend be hung with something that happened when I had a hold of the steering wheel. Even though that could have happened to anybody because it wasn't anything that I did to it. It was just something that happened. Well, my friend refused to let me pay anything on the transmission. Now, I'm still twisting his arm and telling him that there's no way I'm going to stick him with the entire bill of a transmission. And then he one-upped himself. I said, well, what do I owe you for the rent of these pickups? He said, nothing. Now, what kind of a friend is that? You cannot find friends like that very easily. And God had his hand all over everything. Now, I'm going to make sure I'm a blessing to this man because he's made sure to be a blessing to me. And so I think that what I'm trying to say, the moral of this story, is that we all need to stick together. We all need to watch each other's backs. And when we do that, Beautiful things can happen. And when true believers don't lose their faith and just keep heading into that wind and walking, walking in truth, walking in faith, God said that if we had faith the size of a mustard seed, we could move mountains. And if you would have been with me on this trip, you would have thought many times that the trip was not going to be successful that there was no way I was going to make it where I was going. There's a lot of people that would have quit, but I'm kind of stubborn, and I'm also kind of tough. Matter of fact, I'm a lot more tough than I am smart. But there's only one thing about me that trumps my toughness, and that's my faith. I never, ever lost faith. And I think I was rewarded for not losing my faith. And I think that God does have his children in his hands. I think he watches over them. And so I really had a very long trip because I was pretty well awake for 23 hours. Then I just got two hours worth of sleep, if you can call it that, with chickens crowing. And then I did a 14-hour drive, got home. And when I got home, I had things to take care of. And I got about five hours of sleep last night. But But I woke up, and I was able to function as well as anyone can when they're tired. And I found out that one of the properties that I do hay on still had some hay that was left over that I didn't get picked up because if you have been listening to the show, I had COVID the whole month of October, and I didn't feel good enough to go out and lift these hay bales. And all of November, I was getting ready for the sale because I halter broke the animals I took and trained them. And that takes a lot of time, especially when you're by yourself sorting cattle and working with them. And so I decided that that was my priority. 
is that after the sale, I'd go pick up the bales. Well, yesterday when I got home, I noticed that there was a big cloud of smoke over about four or five miles away over in the hills. Never did dawn on me that that was my hay on fire. And I went and checked this morning and half of my hay burned up. And I'm dealing with that. But just like all the other things, is that I'm not losing my faith. And some of you people might really connect with this and others might not. But I think that when you're doing things and you're in God's will, I think it doubles or triples the chances you're going to be a target for Satan. And so I think a lot of roadblocks are thrown in the way of true believers by Satan. And so I feel that with my quote-unquote luck is that there's a very real possibility this is just an attack. And so I'll just wear that attack proudly. That means that I must be doing something right. If I'm annoying Satan that much, I must be doing something right. And so I give all the praise to God. I thank him for everything he does for me every day. And I really want to say a big thank you to all the listeners who put up with me. And a lot of people would like to know me better as a person. And so that last story ought to tell you something about me. I never quit. I never surrender. I always stand up for what I think is right. And I always try to do the right thing. Even if the right thing is hauling a bunch of chickens around with roosters crowing as you go through every little town. I hope you got a kick out of that story. I didn't get a kick out of much of it, but I'm glad it's over. And I'm glad everybody's safe. And also, the animals that I sold went to great little farms. And so I'm really happy about that. Okay, enough about my little story here. I'm going to finish the rest of the first segment talking about another thing that I noticed on this trip. I used to travel for a living. I've traveled millions of miles in the entertainment business. And so I've seen about any kind of a truck stop and fast food place and diner and gas station and road and, you know, there's not very much I haven't experienced. But this trip really opened my eyes because when COVID hit, my career of traveling was pretty well stopped. And so I really haven't traveled much for two years. And when you're away from something for a couple of years and you go back and experience it again, you kind of know what to expect. It's like riding a bicycle. But I've noticed that there's an awful lot of people who are being employed right now that are of the younger generation. Now, I'm not against young people. I want to state that as a fact. But the young people are not being trained in our schools. The young people really aren't being trained at home. And so I had to deal with lots of cashiers and a few people that were serving fast food on this trip. And I did notice a huge difference from just two years ago. The cleanliness of the places that I did eat, and I ate on the way back. I really didn't eat on the way there. But on the way back, I stopped a couple times. And the cleanliness was noticeably not there. I mean, it was these places were dirty. And also... They've been famous pretty much through the years for having a clean establishment. So that kind of took me back. But the attitude of the employees, and they were all in their 20s or late teens, is that none of them cared. There's not one bit of excellence that I saw 
Nobody was striving for excellence. Nobody. They didn't care if the food was cold. They didn't care if the floor was swept. They couldn't count back my change. They couldn't take my order very well. And it seemed like they couldn't understand English. They'd look at you like you were speaking a foreign language when you're trying to order French fries. And so I just don't understand why our culture has let any kind of excellence at all slip. And that's why I shop in mom and pop's places where I always deal with the manager or the manager's kids or someone that's really close. And I really think everybody needs to do that because every corporate place from the corporate gas stations to the corporate food places I stopped, it was like that same mentality that the cashiers had was just transported to the next person I dealt with. And I'm not saying that I had horrible experiences. I'm just telling you it was different and I noticed it. And the old saying goes, you can't soar with eagles when you're surrounded by turkeys. And honestly, the people that were serving me this whole trip were a flock of turkeys. And I don't know really what we're going to do about this, except we need to understand that somebody has to pick up the pace here. Somebody has to pick up the ball and run with it. Somebody has to be civil and someone has to be coherent and responsible And someone has to be striving for excellence. Because if that doesn't start happening, then our culture is basically finished. At least it's finished as being a leading culture in the world. Because the people that I had to deal with, there was not one ounce of leadership that I saw, which was very sad. And so if you have young people in your house, train them to be excellent. Because if you do, then you're going to not, you're not only going to help society, but you're going to help your children because there's so few people out there striving for excellence at all that anyone that strives for it, whether they achieve it or not, is going to be head and shoulders against the ones that don't care. And in a world that might be hard to get a job or might be hard to just live your life, because who knows where this whole mess is going. I think it's the people that have an excellent attitude, an excellent training, and an excellent work ethic. I think they're the ones that are going to do the best in this brave new world that's being pushed on us. And another thing that I noticed on this trip, I'll touch on this before I go on break, is that I don't listen to corporate radio. I listen to independent broadcasters and mostly shortwave. Now, why do I do that? That's because the people on shortwave, almost all of them, have to buy their own airtime, just like I do. I don't have a sponsor. Bob Beerman does not have a sponsor. We are doing this out of our own pocket. And we're doing this because we care. We're doing this to try to be a service. And so when I listen to other broadcasters on shortwave, I know that they care. And I know that they're doing it out of their own pocket because they love this country or they love their fellow man. And so I really do believe that that's kind of a litmus test of how much you do believe in what you're saying. Because if you're willing to buy the airtime to go ahead and broadcast, then you must really think you have something to say. And you must really want to say it. And so I really do appreciate the shortwave broadcast. 
But on this trip, I had to stay awake, and so I would turn on AM and FM. And it was obvious to me, as someone that has not listened to corporate radio for two or three years, that that too has changed. You have the leftist media who is hard-selling everything. They're hard-selling the fact that illegitimate Joe is a good president. They're hard-selling the fact that Ukraine is great and Russia is bad. And they're hard-selling everything. And what I mean by hard-selling is they're pushing it, religiously pushing it. But I noticed that the so-called conservative mainstream media, and I'll let you figure out who that is, they're selling the same message, only they're using soft sell. And so it doesn't matter who you listen to on the mainstream media. You're either going to have it shoved down your throat, or you're going to have somebody try to sneak it down your throat very subtly and gently. But either way, you're being spoon-fed the same propaganda and the same information. And so I just had to shut the radio off and drive in silence. Because once you experience people who are telling the truth and people that have a passion for what they do, these corporate broadcasters just come off as plastic bananas. And I don't want to waste my time listening to a bunch of plastic bananas. And on the other side of the break, I'll be right back. And Jim, we'll be right back after we do take this break. But I want to take just a moment to share an idea that I've had. And and I'm talking with Jim. We haven't made any decisions on this. But I'd like to, to reach out to you, my audience, to get your input. A number of you have enjoyed having Jim on the program every Wednesday. And it's been a great help to me in saving me some time. There's so much that I'm trying to deal with. As, as many of you know, between ministry and yes, some health issues that are they're resolving, but still, it can wear me out. And some days, the program is much harder to do than others. I know that even on, on Tuesday, it was a difficult time to get the program done. I was worn out and just not having a good day. And I thought, and I reached out to Jim, and he's thinking about it, and if we can make it work technically because of our unique situations, would it be okay with you if occasionally I had Jim along with me and we could be connected and do a program together to discuss many of the issues of the day? This is something that I have in the back of my mind to maybe once a week, I don't know what day it would be, maybe we could do it for a Thursday or something and 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 produce the program and, and talk about issues that are important to you. Maybe you could write us and give us some ideas and suggestions for a program or a topic to discuss and we can do it. Uh, there may even be ways to eventually have Jim and myself even interview a guest. I'm working on all of that. Those are things that I'm thinking are, are important. What also is important is keeping this radio program going. And tomorrow I'm going to spend a little bit of time discussing shortwave radio as the backup plan for many of us that are doing radio programs like this. Many ministries that built their ministry on shortwave have abandoned it. They've just walked away and they think they can just hop back on any old time. And that may not be true. I'm always keeping a plan in mind for the future in the event the plug gets pulled on the internet, and that can happen. If you believe in this ministry, we could use your financial support. I'd like to get more airtime because that's where many people find us. 
and our mailing address. By the way, you can support us from our website, which is truth2ponder.com. Make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. That's Ancient Word Radio. Mailing address is Post Office Box 510, P.O. Box 510. And the city is Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia. And the zip code is 24319. That's 24319. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Better than demons coming up. Shalom Aleichem. This is the Nice Jewish Boy, Jonathan Kahn. Your Jewish connection bring you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out. We're receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. In the gospel, it says he commanded even the unclean spirits and they obeyed him. The disciples saw Messiah cast out unclean spirits. They saw that even the demons obeyed Messiah. Imagine that. See, that makes a lot of demons more responsive to the Lord than a lot of believers. Believers are always hearing God's word, always hearing his commands, and very often not doing a thing about it. But the demons heard his command once, and immediately they obeyed. It almost seemed to this they'd make better believers than many believers. The point is, if even the demons who are enemies of God obey him, how much more must we who are friends of God, children of God, obey him? See, most believers struggle with obeying the Lord. We argue with him. We delay obeying him. We ignore him, we put it off, doing what we know is his will. We justify our not obeying him. But the demons obey him instantly, without a long struggle. And if they obey him without delaying, without ignoring, without putting off, without rationalizing, how much more must we? You know, God is calling you to something. He's telling you to do something. The Spirit is prompting you to something. But to not do it, if you're not doing it, why? You're only hurting yourself. You're hindering your own life. The demons don't get any blessing in obeying him, but you do. Just do what he says. Go where he, he leads, trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Yeshua, Jesus, than to trust and obey. And beyond that, we have a much better witness in our obedience to the Lord than demons. Now, how would you like to receive special daily meditations and teachings with the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus to give you victory for every day of your week, updates on Israel prophecy, and a free subscription to Sapphire's The Incredible Mystery of the Temple Doors on CD, all free. You'll love it. How do you get all this? Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. To get your free gifts, just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, but call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. I invite you to join me in the Great Commission to bring salvation back to the Jewish people and reach millions of unreached peoples around the world on five continents. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed. But this is the farthest way. Imagine impacting the world like no other way. The greatest way your life can touch the world, blanketing the earth with salvation through shortwave radio. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You can be part. Or write me direct at the Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's the Nice Jewish Boy. It's Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Until next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, Shalom Alechem. Do what he says, my friend. Just do it. Peace be to you in Messiah. Adon Adonim, the Lord of Lords. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Welcome back to the second half of Truth to Ponder. I'm Jim Calhoun sitting in for Bob Bierman today. And Bob will be back tomorrow with another great episode of Truth to Ponder. And in this part of the show, I want to 
pick up where I left off as far as shopping small. First of all, I go to no big box stores. None. All the huge corporate entities out there, they don't need my money, and so they don't get any of my money. So where do I buy things? Well, last year about this time, I talked about this little town called Stapleton, Nebraska, where you seem to be able to get almost anything you want in a town that only has like 200 people in it and only four or five businesses. But I had to take the check from my livestock up to my bank that happens to be in this little town. And as I'm doing my broadcasts, I have to use lots of flash drives or memory sticks, whatever you want to call them. And I have several that are full. And in the town that I'm close to that has about 24,000 people, the only place I can find a flash drive is in one of the big box stores. And I don't do business with big box stores. And so I was in the little town of Stapleton. So I went into the print shop. The print shop has a beautiful little shopping area up front. It's very small, but the gifts are very nice and the prices are just awesome. And she had some very nice handcrafted leather billfolds that were full size for only $10 a piece. It means her prices are great. So I decided to ask, do you have any memory sticks? She said, how many do you need? I said, well, I'd take two of them. And so she went and got me two memory sticks. And so in that little town, I could buy the food for my animals and food for myself. And so I asked her about other office supplies, and she said, anything you need, just ask me and I'll get it for you, and it'll be sitting here waiting for you. And I'm dealing with the owner. And I really like that, because people like that will bend over backwards to make sure you have a pleasant experience. You don't have to deal with a quote-unquote untrained young person that has no desire to really be excellent. And when you're dealing with people that have a passion for their business, and you're dealing with the owner, there's nothing like that. And so while you're going out to do your Christmas shopping, please experience shopping small. Sure, it's easier to drive to the big box store and run through there and fill a shopping cart. I'm sure it's easy. And so is buying a cheap pizza in a grocery store and throwing it in a microwave. That's cheap and easy too. But does it taste good? Probably not. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is you do get what you pay for, but you get something from the small shops that you don't get in a big box store or you don't get very often anymore, and that's service, and that's excellence. And I was so happy to be back dealing in this little town, and I did buy some groceries, and I did buy some livestock feed, and I did my rounds in the town. It doesn't take very long. But I was able to pick up everything I needed, and every store I dealt with the owner, Every store knows me by name, welcomes me by name as I walk in. They know what kind of things I buy. They're extremely friendly, they're extremely knowledgeable, and they really do care. And so I'm going to buy all of my Christmas gifts from these little stores. Because as I told one of the business owners, I do not enjoy handing my money because I work awful hard for the money I have. I do not enjoy handing over my hard-earned money to a big, nameless, faceless corporation that doesn't care anything about me. But I know that, but I know that when I deal with these small businesses and deal with the owner, that they do care that I have a great experience. They do care that I'm happy. They are very grateful that I shop with them. And they tell me that too. And I'm starting to know all of these business owners as friends. 
Do I try to take advantage of that and tell them to cut me a better deal? No, I don't. I have a hardware store I deal with quite a bit in another small town. And every time I go in and buy some things for the ranch, some hardware or something, and I put a pile of it on the counter, he will ring it up and look at me and say, well, I'm going to give you 20% off today. I don't ask for it, but he offers it. And that's the owner. And he can do that if he wants to. And so I tell him, you really don't need to do that because I understand how hard it is for be a small businessman in a small town. And he says, well, I want to do that for you. You're a great customer. Thanks for coming in. Those are the kind of experiences that we all can have if we would understand that we're letting this world that has no excellence, that's just this cardboard cutout of what things should be, this phony world, this phony new thing that they're trying to push on society, the fact that lots of people are put on the floor at a department store of some sort that have no clue of what they're doing. They're just a warm body that has a pulse. And so they put them out there, and some of them, you wonder if they do have a pulse, the way they just kind of mope around. And so I told one of the people today that I really enjoyed handing them my money. And they looked at me and smiled and said, okay. And I said, you know, I don't want to hand my money over to someone I don't want to hand my money to. And when I go into a big box store, and that's why I quit going there, and you get customer no service, and you get a cheap product that likely will not last, that happened to me all the time when I went to a big box store that I really don't have a good feeling. I might save a dollar or two, but I would rather hand that extra dollar or two to a hardworking, very conscientious person that cares. The business owner that owns and operates that business and gets up every morning and flips the sign over to open and is there all day and then flips the sign to close before they go home. Those are the people that get my business And I'm going to recommend everyone try to go for that kind of experience because I don't have very much money. You might say, well, why am I buying air to do the show? Well, I'm trying to get a new career going. And so I'm going to do what it takes to make this work. And I started my first show, Stepping Out in Faith, and I've been broadcasting for over a year now, and I'm still walking in faith. But what I was getting at is I don't have a whole lot of money. And so I really don't like spending any money. Anyone that hangs around me for any time at all, they think that I'm pretty tight. Well, I am pretty tight with my money because if you don't have it, you got to be tight with it. But even with that mindset, if I know I'm spending an extra two or three dollars with one of my small shops that I'm buying from, it doesn't bother me in the least because I know they're giving me the best deal they can and they're giving me their friendship. They're giving me their service. They're giving me the attention that every customer should be given. And so I reward them with that. And so I would hope that you consider shopping small. It'll not only help your community and help your local business people. I think it'll help you too. I really do. Well, the next thing I wanted to talk about was the upcoming holidays. It seems like this time of year, they push that narrative that it's the most wonderful time of the year peace on earth, and goodwill towards men. And there's a segment of people out there that they've either had bad experiences on Christmas or other holidays, or they live alone, or they just, or they just for some reason, don't care for the holiday season. Well, there happens to be, I believe, millions that fit that category. Some people are just burned out on the whole thing. 
They're burned out on the commercialism. They're burned out on the Santa Claus and the elves and flying reindeer and all the other things that they push and push and push. And then you're told you have to be happy, the happy time of the year. And anyone that is prone to depression or someone that's melancholy, and that happens to be how they're geared towards or wired kind of internally to be sort of melancholy. And there are quite a few people like that. For you to tell a person like that that it's the most wonderful time of the year, you need to be happy, is very much the wrong thing to do. Because lots of people truly are turned off by the whole experience. And we can debate when Christ was born. And I happen to think he was not born on December 25th, especially since the calendars have been changed several times. And I really do believe there's God's calendar and there's man's calendar. And we're celebrating the birth of Jesus on man's calendar, not on God's calendar. That's my opinion. And so to me, December 25th is not a date that I 100% say Jesus was born on that day. But it is a day that is a memorial or supposedly commemorates the birth of Christ. And I think that is a good thing. But more than his birth, I think that we should celebrate not only his death, but his resurrection. Because he wasn't put on this earth to be born. He was born to be on this earth to die. And he was born to die for you and to die for me. And so I think that there needs to be a lot of reverence. And if you want to celebrate Christmas, that's a personal thing to do, whether you want to or not. But you need to always remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and for me and for all of mankind. And to celebrate a baby in a manger, that's okay if you want to do that. But I would rather celebrate a risen king. I really would. And so, to me, giving thanks to God for all he's done, and thanking God for sending us his only begotten son is something that I think fits what my feelings of Christmas are, more than celebrating a baby being born. And I really want to stress here, I'm not telling you how to celebrate Christmas. I'm not doing that at all. I'm telling you how I celebrate Christmas and my feelings. But I do know there's lots of people who are burned out on the commercialism of Christmas. And if you're one of those, maybe you can celebrate Christmas, but celebrate it in a different way. Celebrate the risen King, the Lord Jesus. Celebrate Jesus for what he's doing right now at the right hand of God, interceding for all of us sinners. Everything that's going on in heaven is miraculous. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And there are places we can put our focus on, and we can focus on that. So we can walk past all the fat guys with red suits and beards and not let that interfere with what we truly feel towards Jesus Christ and what he has done for his people. Now, I personally do not do a whole lot for Christmas because family lives so far away. And with animals, I just can't travel. And also, I heat with wood. And I didn't add this at the first of the show because I didn't want to pile it on. But I have to add here that I was gone for three days. I came back to frozen water pipes because I heat with wood. And I had nobody here to throw wood on the fire. And I knew that might happen. And so I've still got to thaw water pipes out. But if you live like I do, 
that kind of comes to the territory. I could have lit some sort of a burner. I could have done something to keep my pipes warm, but I didn't want to risk anything happening when I was gone. So I'd much rather have them freeze than the house burn down. And so I even shut my power off in the house before I left. And so I would not come home to a disaster. And so what I'm trying to say is it's very hard for me to travel any time of the year, but winter especially very hard to do. And family doesn't head my way because why come all this way for one person where everywhere else has multiple people that are family members at that other destination. So I get it. I understand it. But it gives me time to reflect of what Christmas means to me and not what I'm told it needs to be. I'm told that I need to go out and spend lots of money and go into debt. I'm told that I'm supposed to revel in Santa Claus and all the other things that are pagan in origin or just not scriptural or however you want to say it. And so instead of letting some of these things get me down, which I don't get depressed very often. Matter of fact, I don't think I ever truly get depressed. I will get the blues once in a while, but I don't hold on to them very long at all because I have better things to do. But I think one of the reasons that I don't get depressed because I don't let anyone set a narrative of how I'm supposed to feel. And I guess that's cutting to the quick here. What I'm trying to say is that don't let anyone tell you that you have to be happy. You don't have to be happy because it's December, and December isn't necessarily the most wonderful time of the year, but you make it what you want it to be. And if you want to make December the most wonderful time of the year, you make it that and celebrate it as such. If you want to celebrate by decorating your house, do all the trappings of a modern-day Christmas, go ahead and do that. Just make sure that it's you doing it for your own reasons. We have so many things in this world that are out of control. And so the least we can do is control our lives and not let anyone try to talk us into being who we're not or trying to tell us that we have to be happy or we have to be sad or we have to be this. Just be yourself. God made you for who you are. And so just be yourself and do what you normally do. And again, talking to those that have problems with the holiday season and especially Christmas time, if you adopt some of those things I'm talking about, it's either going to lessen your feelings of loneliness or however you feel, or on the positive side, it might give you a whole different outlook to where you can actually enjoy the season along with everybody else, only you're enjoying it in your own way. And so that's what I've done the last several years is I enjoy Christmas the way I want to enjoy Christmas. And I want to acknowledge the birth of our Savior, but I want to also acknowledge the reason why Jesus was born in the first place and the sacrifices that Jesus made for all of mankind and to celebrate the results of Jesus' actions here on this earth. And one more thing I want to touch on, and I guess it's one word, it's unity. I said last show that I feel that the other side, which I think is satanic, is trying to divide people, the old divide-and-conquer routine. And the more I've thought about that, I have several emails, and I even got a phone call about this last show, telling me how much they agreed with what I said. 
so I want to expound from last week's show on the unity theme. It's kind of like the old saying, you either hang together or you hang separately. And right now I think that Satan and his minions are loose on this planet, corrupting things and causing chaos and destroying and doing everything that's expected of Satan. And so therefore, I think it's time for people that believe to not hide that under a bushel basket, to let their light shine, and to share the good news, share where strength really truly comes from. And it does not come from the mainstream media. It does not come from the woke people. It does not come from all this liberalism and all the different satanic things that's happening. But your power comes from Almighty God. And I think that we all need to stand in unity in that one thing, and that is to let everyone know where your power truly comes from. And yes, you do have power. Just like I think, as I talked about the show, all the little things that happened to me that were really bad, and I made the comment that I must be doing something right if Satan's going to attack me that much. Well, I really do truly believe that. And so I think that if you stand up for your principles and stand up for your God and show unity with fellow believers, yes, I think that you can expect some rough going as far as Satan coming against you in your life. But I know that in the end, Satan is defeated. And I know that the meek will inherit the earth. And I also know there's a time and a season for everything. And I think you can be meek but yet resolute. I think you could be humble, but yet strong. And so I think these personality traits that you do have, that God gave you, it's time to put them to work, especially in a holiday season where where a lot of people are celebrating for the wrong reasons. And that's just one man's opinion. And I really do hope that someone got something from the show today. I always enjoy my time at Truth to Ponder. And I really want to thank Bob Bierman again for him getting me on WRMI, both my music show and also my Living Off-Grid Power and Information show. I'm really thankful for that. And so I want everyone to tune into my shows, and I'm going to give you a Central Times. They're on WRMI 5850, and my shows are on Mondays and Tuesdays at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. And so for you shortwave listeners out there, if you want to catch either one of my shows or both, please do. Again, 5850 WRMI, Mondays and Tuesdays at 8 o'clock. And if you enjoy Truth to Ponder and you get something from Bob's message and also mine, I would ask that you consider donating to Truth to Ponder because, as I stated earlier, these shows are all listener-supported. And you can donate online by going to Bob's website, which is truth2ponder.com. Go to the support tab and click on that. And it'll lead you through the steps you have to do to electronically donate to this show. Or you can donate with regular mail, and you can send in a check or money order, and you would write the check out to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio. And you would mail to Truth to Ponder, P.O. Box 510, P.O. Box 510, Chill Howie, C-H-I-L, 
H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia, and the zip code is 24319. And your support is greatly appreciated. Well, again, thanks for listening. And until next time, stay strong, stay safe, stay focused, keep your powder dry, but most important of all, replace fear with faith. And thank you so much, Jim. And once again, while we have just a couple of moments here before the program does come to a complete finish, want to share just a couple of additional thoughts with you about the direction of this program, some things that are on my heart and my mind. Number one, first, before I forget, a thank you for the many of you that have already emailed suggestions about shortwave radio. What kind of radios are worth getting? What radios will work for you? What features should they need? And that's something I'm gonna try to put together, a program with some ham radio guys that I know that I really think the world of who can make those kind of suggestions so you can have a radio to pick up these signals. And and I'm going to give you my opinions about what shortwave radio can and cannot be. Right now, for the most part, I'll admit, shortwave radio has some international broadcast. A lot of things from Islamic countries in China pretty much dominate most of what you hear. And there's some private broadcasters with religious programming of various stripes. You have stations that broker airtime, like the ones that we are on, and we buy the time so we can be heard. And it's reasonable, but it's still expensive. And I, But I believe that it's been a, a way that people have discovered truth to ponder. Many listeners will tell me that I found you on shortwave radio, now they're listening as a podcast, and I'm glad that they can hear it that way. But the day could come, and I really believe firmly as I look at this world and I look at the direction, I look at the idea of misinformation, we need all these international agencies to stop and silence misinformation. And the internet will be the first tool that will be used to be controlled. And so that's why I am so deeply concerned to always have this other method of reaching people and reaching more people, even if for the time being they get moved to the podcast, great. But I always want you to know there's a way to continue to hear the program. So we'll talk about shortwave radios probably tomorrow. Some other things that I really believe you need to understand. The world is not what it appears even among conservatives. I think there's some things that we need to begin to expose. Once again, you can support us from the website, truth2ponder.com, truth2ponder.com. You can find our mailing address there, and we thank you in advance for all of your support. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth. The number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder. Shining the light of truth in a darkening world.